Listen, just pick the spirit up, not the grammar. <laughs> Press and push into and pursue. In order to make the testimony of God known through everything you do. This year, there's pressing, there's pushing, and there's pursuing. Amen? This morning, we were pressing. And from the pressing, we began to push. And as we began to push in the spirit, we began to pursue the heart of God. Amen? Just before Christmas, uh, around about well, yeah, early December, I was in bed and uh, I was having a dream. And it was quite a powerful dream. And I'm not one who gets many dreams. I get a lot of nightmares, but <laughs> this dream began to show me that in this dream I was very aware. Hear what I'm saying? I was very aware that I represented the dream center. I was very aware in this dream that what was going on was happening to us. And in that dream, I was very, very awake and aware that growth was coming into the church. I know you like that part. Yeah, I, like, I know you like that part. <clears throat> and it's almost like as I turned over and I looked over my shoulder, I saw within a very, very short space of time, rapid growth. I saw 20 coming in. Then I saw 30 getting saved. Then I saw 50 getting saved. And instantly, the number that came in my mind, it just, this doesn't mean to say this, you know, when you have a dream, it can, you've got to understand the dream, you've got to understand the laws of interpreting, interpreting dreams. It's not everything that you see, sometimes it can be symbolic. And when you see something, it doesn't mean to say it's today. Right? But I saw over 100 people within a month come to the dream center. Instantly, as I woke up from the dream, I began to say, Lord, I know you're speaking to me. What do you want me to do? He said, well, what do you think you should do when you know something's coming? Right. So from this dream, and from what the Lord said to me after this dream, the Lord said to me, I want you to establish the testimony of God through everything you do this year. Every life, every person must work to establish the testimony of God in their life. Now, this morning, what I will talk about is not about what we're doing. Because when I, the moment I talk about what we're doing, you become detached. And then you wait for us to start the momentum. But the, what the Lord's saying to us this morning is, hear the word of the Lord and hear your responsibility. You must establish the testimony of God. When was the last time you had a testimony to share? When was the last time you shared a testimony? When was the last time you went public with your faith? Yes. When was the last time you took your faith public? I've discovered, like you probably have discovered, that there are many times and there are many seasons, situations, when life... And the battle gets so intense. Is there anybody ever been like that? 
and where you, it affects you physically, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Do I have, I get a witness there? So I'm talking to the right crowd this morning. And at times you feel that, you feel the thin line of sanity. You feel the thin line of, am I going to fall and move, and I don't want to say lose your salvation, but move away from it. Give up, probably a better word. And at that moment, you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make this. I don't know if I've got what it takes to get me past this line and get me into the the green zone. Because I don't want the ball to go out of play. That makes sense. I want to keep within the field of play. And uh, I don't need video technology to tell me if I'm going over the line. I know it. In my own life, I know it. And for some of you, you may need that video technology. Heaven might need to show you where you're going in your life and how you live in your life and the attitudes. But if you walk with God, it's okay if you go through troubled times because God knows you're going through it and God is able to speak to us. But there's times when I've said, Lord, am I even going to make this? I remember distinct times when I've cried out, Lord, I don't think I'm going to make this journey. Will I ever thrive and flourish again? Has anybody ever prayed that? Or am I the only one? And at this point, two things emerge. Two things. One is an internal understanding given to you, whereas the other is an outward response. So one's internal, one's external. Do you want to know what they are? Revelation chapter Come on, it's not working, this now. Just flick it on for me, if you will, Z, please. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Yeah. I don't want this to to hinder me. Okay, I'm going to go without it. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. And they overcame, and they overcame, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. That's the internal. And by the word of their testimony. Not his testimony, their testimony. They did not love their lives so much to shrink back from death. Two things have to rise up within your life. The blood of Christ and the testimony that helps you, the word of your testimony, helps you overcome that situation. Hello? So when you have a testimony, you've got something to talk about. You have something to share, something to, trans, um, to impart. True? And he says here, now these were the witnesses, these are the witnesses In the end times. Go to the back of the book of Revelation. This is talking about the present future days. Because none of us know when exactly that time is. But at this point there's going to be so much persecution on the earth. That the the word of their testimony 
is going to define this company. Thank you. It's going to define this company and their ability to succeed in the midst of turmoil. Now, that's talking about that company, but we are that company also, who must triumph by the word of our testimony. Hello? We must triumph. They, dis- they triumph by two distinct truths. The power of the blood and the word of their testimony. Yes? They have the blood and they have the lamb. They have the blood and they have the lamb. They don't just have the blood of the lamb. They have the blood of the lamb. They have the blood and the lamb and the word of the lamb. Amen? They have an internal understanding of the power they carry. The blood. Now you might think, that sounds pretty barbaric. To carry the blood. But that's what the Bible tells every believer. Amen? The word of their testimony. Now the word of their testimony is an external verbalizing of what internally is working. And has happened. And has worked. And is working. So the blood is an internal. It's applied into your life, over your life. Right? But the word of your testimony is a verbal. It's a verbalizing. It's an external verbalizing of what internally is happening. Does that make sense? So if the blood, of the, if the blood is working for me then I must be able to go and tell somebody what internally is working for my life. That's where you come in. You are a witness to what internally has and is taking place. So externally, you become light. Yes? Quite simple, really. Now, the blood of the Lamb, listen to this, the blood of the Lamb spiritually and supernaturally, speaks for you. It speaks for you. It speaks for you. You're not doing anything, but it's speaking for you. Yes? Why? It covers you. It protects you. And legitimizes you as a child of God. It covers you, it protects you, and it legitimizes you as a true son, daughter of God. You see this? You can have 100% confidence in this blood, in this power, that it is the power to cover, protect, and speak on your behalf. It speaks in the cosmos. It speaks in the, it speaks in the enemy's camp. It speaks for you. When you've got no strength, when, you've, when you taste the thin line of life, the blood speaks for you. Thank God, so, you know, heaven is praying for me. Jesus is interceding for me. The blood is speaking for me. We can't fail. If God is for us, Who can be against us? Right, 
What can be against us? Who can be against us? Why? Because things are speaking for you. This is so important. So when you become a witness, you need to know what's speaking for you. The word of your testimony. So, so let me go back to the 100% confidence that it has power to cover, protect, and speak on your behalf. As you do those things that God is asking of you. So as, in other words, it's got your back. God's got your back and he's got your front. Amen? So the word of your testimony is something that God has given you. In order for you to then advance, push, press, and pursue. Make the testimony of God known in your life. Yes? Now, the word of your testimony is something you have responsibility for. The blood speaks for you, but you must speak for him. Whichever way we look at this, something, someone has to speak. Have you got this? Are you beginning to see where we're going? We need to build the foundation for what God is asking us to do. You see, your testimony is, let me say this, it involves you, but it's not about you. Your testimony is about him. He is the one who sets, sets people free. It's the word of his testimony in your mouth that then has the power to change somebody else's life. Just as it changed your life, it has the power to change somebody else's life. It's not about you, but it involves you. Because you need to be God's mouthpiece. So when God speaks, God speaks through you. It's amazing that when you open your mouth, God can speak through you and I. Unpolished, imperfected, but yet God speaks through us. And God's asking us this year to open our mouth, establish our testimony through everything we do. Knowing that the blood is speaking for us. It's going to cover us. It's going to protect us. It's legitimizing us. Yes? So that what you've got your part now, you've got no reason to turn, turn around and say, it's not working. It is working. This is all working. The software is working. What you've got to do now is become the graphics. Become the, the graphics that when people turn your screen on and look at you, you're working. Yes? The word of your testimony is something you must internally develop. It's something you must boldly, courageously proclaim. Something you must hold on to unswervingly. Your testimony, though it's yours to tell, is about Christ. And him crucified, and him resurrected, and him having plans and purposes for people's lives. We must tell people that if they don't turn to Christ and don't, involve, and don't uh, they reject his plan, that there is also consequences. This is part of our gospel. This is part of our testimony. I was on that road. I was on the path that was broad. And I was going with mil- millions and millions and millions 
But then a light shone in my life, and now I'm on a narrow path. Amen? John 10, 10. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him. Who's him? The enemy of their soul. The enemy of their soul, listen, and the enemy of their faith. The enemy of their faith. Let me turn to a scripture. I think if I can't find it straight away. Phil, find me Daniel 9, please. <coughs> so, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. The enemy, the enemy of their soul wanted to destroy their faith. And they had to overcome that battle, thanks. They had to come. That battle, amen? It's not stepping out. It's not jumping out of a mess. It doesn't matter. I'll go back another day. We learn to fight another day on that scripture. So the, the enemy of their soul, they had to overcome. The en- they had to fight against the enemy of their faith. I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've realized there is an enemy against your faith. There is an enemy against your soul. There is an enemy against your future. And this enemy wants to shut down your testimony and he wants to make your testimony non-creditable. He wants to make it non-creditable. He wants to make you, that's why condemnation comes to you. But the Bible tells us there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we know it's not Christ who condemns us. We know it's either ourselves that condemn ourselves or it's the enemy of our soul that condemns us. But either way, he comes to kill, steal and destroy and shut down. So every day you and I have to fight this power so that we can establish our testimony. Your testimony has to be established. We've got so many people coming to church And so very few testimonies established in the lives of the people coming to church. It's not about people coming to church. It's about the life of Christ. Shining, working, functioning. Amen? So in these qualities, they kept this, and they will keep this end time company strong. Why? He said they overcame so they didn't say they might overcome. They were struggling. He said they overcame. So he's reading the future. I want God to be able to speak of this church and you as families and you as individuals. I want him to be able to write in the future and say the dream center overcame. I see the blood working in these people and I see the power of their testimony rising in the midst of, the, of the, those they do life with. Amen. You see, we're used to confessing the blood. We do it in our prayer life. And Lord, I thank you for the blood. Lord, and I thank you for the blood covers me. True? We use it in our prayer life. But we don't ever think that the blood is working for us as we go for him. So when I walk into the enemy's territory, he sees the blood of Christ working on my life. He sees I'm not a hypocrite. He sees I'm working. He sees I'm trying to establish my test. Oh, yeah, I might be struggling. I'm not always chipper. I'm not always strong. I'm not always feeling great. But at least I'm trying to hold it together. 
And when the enemy looks at me, there's a barrier. And he sees that blood working for me. And he sees this far and no further. He can't. There's, there's, he has restrictions. So what he'll do, he'll try and attack my mind. And he'll get me to weaken me from my mind. He'll do the same to you so that you'll pull back. And as you pull back, he's, he's won. But it's at that point that the word of your testimony has to rise. So you can hold your ground. And establish your position in Christ. Amen? So, despite you often being casual or even passive, and I know I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to somebody else who's not here. There are three things that work, speak, and testify on your behalf. Did you know that? Three things that work, speak, and testify on your behalf. You go to 1 John, chapter 5, and it says very clearly, for there are three that testify. Who are these three? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Now, we've already just read that the blood speaks for us. We've just read that they overcame him by the blood. But here the scripture says that the blood actually speaks. And if you go to Hebrews chapter uh, 11, and it says, don't go there. I'm just quoting it. It says, and the blood that speaks a better word. As they enter into Zion, the blood that speaks a better word. So the blood is speaking all the time. But here we see there are three things speaking for us as a house, speaking for you as an individual. There are three things. The blood or the spirit. The spirit is speaking to us today. Stop. Lift your heads if you will, please. said the Holy Ghost is speaking to us today. Right now he's speaking to you because you're the one who's got ears to hear this. And the Bible tells us that he who has ears... Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You're the church. So the Spirit is speaking right now. The blood has spoken and it still speaks. The Spirit is speaking to you now. The moment you hear it. And that's at the moment you hear it, that's when faith at that point has to be now. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is now. Whenever that word comes, it must be met with faith. Now faith. Because that faith then, if you take that word in faith, it establishes you. You got this? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you're going to be a God pleaser, you have to be established in faith. So when the Spirit speaks, faith. Now. So the word and the Spirit and faith are instantly joined together in you. Amen? But it doesn't come unless you hear it and move towards it. That's the pushing, that's the pressing, that's the pursuing. Amen? So he says, these three things speak. Now when the Spirit speaks, he speaks to legitimize you. We, as we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit speaks. He says, yes, this is, this is one who has been cleansed. This is one who's been cleansed by the water. This one's been cleansed by the blood. And the Holy Ghost speaks on our behalf. And he testifies. He tells us what the Father is saying to us. He is the mediator. 
He speaks to us. He speaks to us every day. Amen? The water, as we know, it cleanses us. It refreshes us. When you were baptized, did you go through water? Did you feel the forgiveness of your sin? Did you sense a new day coming upon you? I'll ask you again. Did you sense a new day coming upon you? That's what your testimony is. When you were baptized, it was another testimony. It was a new day. It's a clean slate. He's remembered your sin no more. It's a clean slate. Your sins are forgiven, washed away. The water speaks for you. Amen? The blood speaks for you. It cleanses you. The Holy Ghost produces the nature of Christ within you. The nature. The blood nullifies all claims that you are a sinner. It cancels the written code. The law that says no sinner shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But now you're not a sinner. You're a saint. So he nullifies all accusations against you. So if you need a blood trans, uh, transfusion, and I give Ange my, my blood, it does something in her body. All the, re- the rest of the blood, if it doesn't reject the transfusion I'm giving, if we've got the same kind of blood type, it makes her strong, does it not? And it mixes in with her body, cycles round, and all this kind of health begins to spring up. Right. When I apply Christ's blood to my life, I'm strong. I'm healthy. Amen? Christ gave me his blood. The transfusion I needed to bring the transformation was given. So, he says this. For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and, and the blood. The blood, uh, sorry, and these three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. Keep the testimony of God. It's greater than yours. Hello? And what is that testimony? It's about his son. The testimony is about his son. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in their heart. And anyone who does not believe that God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony of God about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. It's pretty clear. So, Can you imagine if you can combine the spirit, the water, the blood, the word together in your life? If you can combine the blood, the water, the spirit, and the word, and your testimony together, you have a fivefold power. That's exactly what we are going to establish this year in our lives. That's going to be our driving force. We're going to see the blood, how it speaks. We're going to speak the word. We're going to sense the cleansing power of God in our midst as people get saved. Through your testimony, through my testimony, people will get saved, washed, cleansed, healed, delivered, set free. 
all because of Christ in you. Amen? You have a fivefold force. It's not easy to say that, is it? It's my teeth and even I'm still struggling. Whilst those three things are speaking, God expects you and I to partner with those things that are speaking. So that when you partner with those things that are speaking and speak as one, it becomes an unstoppable force. So I'm not out there on my own expecting some kind of supply to come to me in the future. God says, you go and I'll be with you. And what does he mean, I'll be with you? The blood will speak for you. The water will speak for you. The spirit speaking for you. I'm interceding for you. The word of the testament is in your mouth. All I All that I can give to you and supply to you is given to you. The only thing I can't do is open your mouth. That's your part, Tony. If you'll just open your mouth and make Christ known through everything you do, you will see the power of those things work for you. Do you believe that? Let me declare this to you. It's time to go public with your faith. It's time to go public with your faith. Seriously, church. God Almighty is asking us as a church, how do you think that growth will come to our house? By sitting on your blessed assurance? No. It is only coming, and it is coming. My job is to speak out what I saw, that which I've heard, that which I've felt, that which I've touched. I make it known so our joy is complete. That's what 1 John says. That which I heard, that which I saw, that which I touched, that's with my own hands have laid hold of. I'm working from this dream. I'm working to see that this, this year, we're working to this point. Believing that God says, from this point, Tony, begin to push, begin to press, begin to pursue. Begin to make the kingdom of God, the testimony of God, should say. Establish the testimony of God through everything you do. Why? Because knowing that these things are going to speak and these things will, will bring you to that point of growth and advancement. It's not going to happen. 100 people, whatever that number is, is just not going to walk through the door. Hello? Can you imagine, I know this sounds silly, but this is the same thing. Can you imagine a fisherman saying, we're not going fishing today. The fish will volunteer themselves. They'll walk, get out of the water and they'll walk in the shop. <laughs> it sounds silly, doesn't it? But that's exactly what we do in church. We don't go fishing. We say, it's okay. The fish will just wash up on the shore. God will do it. God says, Go. Fish don't volunteer. The last time fish jump all out the sea onto the shore, it's called tsunami. Disaster's coming. Well, if fish start doing that, disaster's coming. And we don't want that kind of disaster. So to go public with your faith means that there's a great need for an increase in your faith. A great increase 
in your zeal, which must come upon you individually and must come upon us corporately. Yes? Faith and zeal. Zeal on, on its own is not good. But faith with zeal. 1 John chapter 1, that was from the beginning. I just quoted this verse for you. Which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes. And our hands, and we proclaim concerning the word of life. It appeared to us, and it, <coughs> excuse me, it, the life appeared, and we've seen it and testified to it. And we have seen it, and we testify to it. And we have seen it, yeah. and we testify to it. Yeah. Hello, we have seen it. We've touched it. He speaks to us. Now we must testify about it. Because he says we testify to it and we proclaim to eternal life that was with the Father and has appeared to us. We know that that which has appeared to us will appear to you. Hello? You know there are three core emphases of the kingdom. Winning souls, taking responsibility and reaching people through the preaching of God's word is one core value of the kingdom. Do you know that? Second one is raise mature sons and daughters. The evangelist will tell you it's all about souls. He's wrong. Nothing's ever about one thing in life. Reaching, reaching the lost is a core value of the kingdom. Just as raising sons and daughters to reflect the nature, likeness and image of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, it's not just about winning people, but it's about building people, discipling people to reflect the nature, image and likeness of Jesus Christ. So you say, but do you look like him? If you don't look like him, there's a problem. The third core value is the transformation of nations. God is deeply, deeply, deeply involved in nations. The discipling of nations, and that's done through prophetic and apostolic teaching. We disciple nations. These are three core values. Now, you may not be involved in the transformation of a nation, but you can be involved in the first two. In fact, you should be involved in the first two. You should be involved in winning your neighbor. You should be involved in letting God's work in you being worked in you and through you. Your responsibility is to work out what God's working in. Amen? Both God, the heavens... And this leadership have personal confidence that you have what it takes to go public with your faith. Let me say that again. God, the heavens, and this leadership. God, the heavens, and this leadership have personal confidence that you have what it takes to go public with your faith. Or what would be the point of us instructing us? What would be the point of encouraging us? What would be the point of empowering? If we don't believe you have what it takes. Now, can you imagine? Carol, she stands before the Lord and the Lord says to her, Carol, I want you to go. I want you to stand in Lime Square. 
and I want you to go and preach on a Saturday morning. Example. I can't do that, Lord. Oh, sorry, I'm God. I got it wrong. Carol, I want you to go and stand in Lime Square on a Saturday morning. How many of you know that when God asks, God didn't get it wrong? God didn't get it wrong. But Carol feels insignificant, example, that the task that God is asking of her is too great for her to achieve. She sees all the limitations. She sees all the inadequacies and all the reasons why I should go and she should stay there. Right? Is that true? But who called her? Did he call me to do what she did? No. So I can drive her there. I can buy a coffee while she's there. I'll buy her a Greg's pasty while I'm there. Right? I'll supply what she needs. But the God who called her can supply all that she needs. Why? Because the blood's speaking to her, the water's speaking for her. Everything that she speaks, that's speaking for everything that she needs is given. For life and for godliness. What she needs is faith and zeal and courage and boldness and for it not to be raining on that day which is a miracle in itself in Manchester. So she does it one day and she thinks, oh that was the hardest thing I've ever done. God says, good, that was day one. I didn't ask you to do it once. I asked you to do it. So she goes again. And the more she does it, and the more she yields, the more she yields, the more she yields, her zeal grows. Her faith grows to the point now where she gets bold. She gets courageous. Yes? She gets defiant. You ever seen a Scot when they get defiant? Ugh. Right? So the point is, there was a day called trembling. There was a day called fear. There was a day called, can I just not stay in bed? But it was also a day called, get up and go. Now, how many days will you stay in bed and not go? In 2.18. Well, God didn't tell me to go to Lime Square. You're right, he might not have. I'm not telling you to go to Lime Square. I'm just using an illustration. But God did tell you to go. He's telling us to go. He's saying, I want you to be fishers of men. Remember, fish don't walk into shops. Please remember that. Fish don't jump out the sea and volunteer themselves and say, I'll be a sacrifice for you. So here's the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 4. I always thank God for you. This is my prayer. This is Phil's prayer. This is uh, Paul's prayer. This is the leadership's prayer. The girl's prayer. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. It's a good place to start. Amen. For in him, you were enriched in every way. In all your speaking. In all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed. Guess where? In you. Our testimony is confirmed in you. Can I be so bold? Can I be really bold this morning? Are you sure? I'm looking for confirmation that you're the one. 
I'm looking for God's testimony in you this year. It's right that a pastor should be able to look for the testimony of God inside his people. Why? Because that then enables him to equip them more adequately. It enables him to listen to their struggles, their fears, their doubts, and it helps them to adjust, support them where they need. But guess what? We are looking for it. We are going looking. Forensically, we are going for the evidence that our confidence is not misplaced. And he carries on. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Now, here's a good point for you to confess with me. If you would confess. Therefore, I do not lack. Verse 7. Therefore, I do not lack any spiritual gift as I eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Come on, declare that with us, if you will. I, come on. How hard is it to read? Verse 7, therefore, I do not lack any spiritual gift as I eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now there is a reveal, that God has already revealed himself, but there is more of his revealing. So, I don't wait until I have the, ho- the whole picture. I go, and as I go, Christ will reveal himself. Hello? Therefore, I do not lack any spiritual gift, as I eagerly await the Lord to be revealed. He will keep me strong to the end, so that I will become blameless. On the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called me into fellowship. God has called me into fellowship with his son. Christ Jesus our Lord is faithful. This has to be your declaration. Well I've never raised the dead. How do you know? I have a ministry of trying to raise the dead every Sunday. Now, the point is with that, is I succeed on some days, and I don't succeed on other days. But do I stop? Have I got evidence that the dead has been raised? How do you know I've got evidence? Because you're not looking for the same things I'm looking for. But I need evidence that through what I say... These guys are the same. Any speaker needs evidence. Any parent needs evidence that what you're saying is actually getting through. Because, you know, we've learned, we've learned a new technology in this church. Well, it's not a new technology. It's a tablet. We can take great notes. The pen is more mighty than the sword, so they say. But notes, you know, if I close my Bible, how many you know my Bible's got a way of still speaking to me even though it's closed? Why? Because this word's inside me. But anybody who's not acquainted <coughs> with this, it doesn't speak for them. My Bible, when I go into situations and I want to go and punch someone's lights out, it reminds me that might not be the best course of action. And the spiritual gift called common sense kicks in. 
Why? Because the word speaks for me and speaks to me even when my Bible's at home. I don't have to be anywhere near my Bible for it to speak. Why? Because that book doesn't speak, but the God of the book speaks. Amen? So, I always thank God for you. Because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. God has given each one of you his grace. Amen? Because in in him, you have been enriched in every way. I see that. You've been enriched. Now notice this. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge, there are two indicators, there are two little opportunities to gaze to see whether Christ is actually rising in you and the testimony of God is actually working in you. Why? Through your speaking. When you hear some people speak, you think, OMG. And when you listen to some people's knowledge, you think, have you ever been to school? They've got knowledge according to Google. They've got knowledge according to the news. But he says, in all your knowledge, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Oh, that really excites me. I believe that there's a company of people inside this house who carry the testimony of God inside of them. And I also believe that there's a company of people in this house whose light has not necessarily been shining to the capacity that its, that its capability possesses. And this year, we're going to encourage you. We're going to help you for your light to shine. It's no longer you can hide your light. This house is going to become a soul-winning house. Amen. Therefore, you don't lack any spiritual gift. You've got access to all the same gifts I have. Amen? He will keep you strong to the end. How many of you believe that? So that you'll be blameless on the day of Christ Jesus. So, it's not how many people we have. It's not how many people we have. But it's how many people we can assemble, mobilize, and send. Right now, God showed me in that dream how quick growth can come. And it just came so easy. It was effortless. And I was aware that the house had just, boom, exploded. Now, nothing just explodes. There is build-up. There is always tension in the background. There are forces taking place. It's what you do today and repeatedly that then begins to create intensity and explosion. Amen? So I turn the gas cooker on. The phone goes. I was distracted. I turned it on. It might take an hour or two hours before there's explosion. True? So let's put that into spiritual uh, days. That could be what I do today might take me two weeks, two years, 20 years of consistency. And then all of a sudden, boom. And it's in the boom. Everybody just thinks it just happened. And everybody wants to get on board on the boom. But nobody wants to know 
The day of silence. Nobody wants to know what you did in private. Everybody just wants to know, how can I get the result? You can't have the result. Why? Because you didn't pay the price and you didn't carry. You didn't carry what you should have carried. But you just want, why would God give you what one man's worked for 20 years for? Now, there is a time in the Bible, the Bible says he'll give you cities you didn't build. But he's not just giving them to anyone. He's giving them to quality people who can establish their lives. So, this dream is coming. This dream is reality. This dream, my dream is, is real to me. I believe God spoke to me through this dream. And I'm speaking to you. And that which I'm speaking to you, I pray that God will make it also known to you. Amen. Amen. Just because I'm speaking it, it doesn't make it true to you. It's true to me. But that which I'm speaking, God has to make known to you. So that then you can then get a witness and then partner with it. Amen. You see, when everyone, when we look at the Dream Center, if we count all our livestock, if we do a livestock count, in other words, children, animals, adults, if we count everybody, it's probably about 110 of us. But is that the size of the church? No. That's the amount of people that can attend if they all turned up. Yes? Is that true? Okay. Then so you might get, say, 70 to 80 people turn up on a Sunday regular. Is that the size of our church? No. Many people would say that's the size of your church. It's not. Some churches, if they, if they have the 80 people in the morning, they have a nighttime meeting and the same 80 come back, they say we've got 160. No, you haven't. You've got, you've got 80 cut and paste. It's called cut and paste. It's the same congregation in the morning what came at night time. It's cut and paste. <coughs> and you say you've got 160. If that's what you need to make your head swell, shame on you. You need to know what you've got. Amen? See... I believe God's done a Gideon factor on us. God will whittle it down. Why? Because every church has strategic people. And every church has people. There's many, companies, many groups of people within a church. And the people change all the time. Yeah? But what people don't know is what category they are. So out of the average attendance... We know that's still not the true size of the church. Why? How do you test the true size of your church? One answer. By the size of the God in its people. By the size of God working in the lives of the people is the only way you'll get a true test of how big a church is. It's not how many backsides fill a seat. It's not how much money a church can, can raise. It's not how many ministries it has, it's how many, how much of God is alive in the life of his people. Because we are very good at listening as people of God. We're just poor at the outworking of what we hear. So, there's an upper room, is there not? I'm coming to the crux of what I'm saying now. Acts chapter 1. All that I've got to say is not going to be said today. When have you ever known me to hit anything in one hit? 
I'm not a one-hit wonder. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but we haven't got all year. Everyone, repeat that on there, if you will, for me. Peter stood up with. Peter stood up with. Stood up with. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Why? Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, Peter, being a leader, and his historical practice with, in, with, in his Christian uh, brothers and sisters, Peter always seemed to be the one who stood up and said things. Okay? So there's a familiarity about Peter in the rest of the other people. And let's face it, Peter didn't have the greatest track record. But he was, nevertheless, a man who would stick his head above the parapet. Yes? So he stood up like he always did. Yes? It's time, to, it's time to change the mentality of the rest of the crowd watching Peter get up. Think of this. You've got to stop being familiar when this Peter gets up and speaks. You've seen me do it for years and years and years and years and years. So there's been an historical function. Are you with me now? Come on, stay with me. This is the serious part. It's what I've really felt the Lord speak to me about. When, when God spoke to me about this dream and said to me, establish in the Testament, I was waiting and then God took me to Acts and that's what I knew. I had the green light to say what I'm about to say. Whenever a speaker gets up, there is an element of familiarity within the church or within, whether it's your teacher at school or whether it's your employer, whoever it is. If someone gets up regularly enough, there will be an element of familiarity being bred. And in that familiarity, you can reduce and downsize the importance of what somebody's saying or what they do. True? So I really felt the Lord say to me, Peter stood up, that's not the issue. The issue is with. The issue is with. You have to change the mentality of the people who receive your message. Then he says, in Acts 14, 214, Peter stood up. He takes initiative of a leader. Then in, he stood up with the 11. So Peter then acknowledges in the midst of all that crowd, there was 120 people. But was that the size of the church? The 120 was in the upper room. But Peter stood up with who? The 11. Peter knew those he could stand with. And they knew they could stand with Peter. Hello? If we're going to make the testimony of God known, 
When this Peter stands up, he has to stand with. Hello? It's not something I speak and then you become dis- disconnected, disattached, and it kind of doesn't care if it doesn't get worked out. I can't do that, folks. I can't do that. I feel responsible when I throw my net at my uh, line out, I've got to wind it back in. And I'm looking to see where it's pulling, who's pulling. Yeah? And sometimes we get a bit of a struggle. And depending on the nature of the fight, I say you can have the rod. <laughs> and other times, Phil will come behind me and he'll give me that strength. We're pulling it in. And I say, wow, this one's, this one's, it must be massive. Paul gets behind me, Phil. There's three of us tugging. Then all of a sudden, somebody else, Andy, comes behind us and we're pulling it and we feel the intensity. And even though there's more people now starting to join, to join, we're still winding, we're still pulling, and we keep encouraging each other. It'll be out of the water in a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's coming, I know it is. Keep, keep strong, boys, and we keep pulling, and it's a little tiddler. <laughs> but it took a lot of strength to pull a tiddler in. But what we didn't know is, it came in the package of a tiddler. But it was a whale. Or it was a dolphin. Whichever one a creature you want. It's not a shark. <laughs> the point is, sometimes what seems easy can take a lot of strength. Yes? But Peter stood up with. Peter could not have pulled that in on his own. And people say, we're right behind you. I don't want you behind me. I want you at the side of me. Because you know what happens when the crowd's behind you, they wave. They do that. So Peter stands up, watch. He stands up with the 11. Behind the 11 was 120. So we've got three banks. We've got the 120. We've got the 11, with Peter making 12. Oh, sorry, we've got 120. We've got Peter... And we've got the 11. Yes, that makes up the 120. But 11 had to join Peter. They stood up with Peter. When Peter got up to, to speak, the 11 instantly got up with him. And they're just letting them lot know that we are now 12. We're all together. It's not our pastor that's going out. It's not just one of the elders that's going out. It's not just him that's going out. That we stand up. (coughs) And then, these are only numbers what we're using in the Bible. It would be great if we, when Peter stands up, the whole church stands with Peter. And says, how can we make this work? How can we strategize to make this work? How can we put this testimony to work? Rather than just disconnect from the word on a Sunday, disconnect from the life of God in the house, and just say, well, it was the pastor's word this morning. And when it makes you feel good, it's your word. And when it didn't ring your bell, it's not your word. That's not right. That's not right. That helps us to determine where the testimony is being ignored. True? Peter stood up with... He didn't stand up on his own. And guess what? When they began to speak, 
all the people outside began to, to touch the move of God and 3,000 people, long story short, was eventually added to the church. All because of one event. When everybody was corporately together, God moved powerfully. So let me ask you this question. I seriously, I seriously want to ask you a question. When was the last time you prayed for something really hard? When was the last time you prayed for something difficult and important? Come on. When was the last time you prayed that God would make you feel uncomfortable? Oof. Be honest, chances are never. I want you to ask God for the hard things this year. I'm already asking God for the hard things, and you're one of them. Seriously. Because I realize my words can't move you. They might shake you at time, might upset you, might bless you, but move you? No. God, remember the testimony is about Christ. It's not about the preacher. God has to do something in your life. But I have to go and petition God to go and do it on your behalf. And you, hopefully, when you start feeling, sensing God moving on your life, then you join with Peter and then move and say, God, do this in my life. Do that in my life, Lord. When was the last time you asked God to do the real, difficult, impossible stuff? Because it's at that point your testimony is being birthed. You know, I'm asking God, God, where are the fish for, for the discipleship school? There are no fish available. No one's responded. No one's acknowledged. Nobody. So far, we ain't got a student, but we're going to do. We're going to do it. We haven't got a single fish. No, I want these fish to volunteer. I want these fish to jump out the water and say, here I am. Disciple me. But guess what? We're going to do it. It's impossible. It's hard. Where would you get them from? I don't know. But I'm going to join my faith. And I'm believing God's going to show me where to go fishing. He's going to show me where to put the net down. It might be lastminute.com. I don't care. But I'm going to believe God for the impossible. This school will not happen. There are millions and millions and millions of obstacles why it shouldn't happen, can't happen, won't happen. I I can only think of one that will make it happen. Him. And me with him. And you and me, together with him. I know to run this school, it needs Peter to stand up and the 11 to get alongside. It means you might open in your homes. It might mean you're going adopting someone. I don't mean physically adopting someone. Taking them home for dinners. It's going to involve us. It's going to be ours. But we'll do it. And you know what? We have to establish the testimony of God so that you will see it and then you believe it. We have to do it. This is game on. It's game on. So, why don't you ask God to stretch your faith and build his testimony through your life? I dare you. I dare you to ask God. I dare you to ask God for the hard stuff, the ugly stuff. Oh God, just, just make my life sweet. 
Oh, please. Lord, just give me no problems. That is the problem. Why don't you ask him to open up the scriptures to you? Why don't you ask him to make you fearless when you speak for God? Fearless. You think you can do that? Oh, I panic. Look at the fear all over her. You know what the opposite of fear is? Fearless. Why? Why can't we be fearless? Here's another one to ask God for. Lord, make me a sign and a wonder. See, many of you want to go and move in signs and wonders, but why don't you try being a sign and a wonder first? And you might be a sign and a wonder as you move in signs and wonders. A sign and a wonder. Leave people wondering. <laughs> many people have left, left me wondering. And here's an important one. Ask God not to build his ministry through in you. But ask him to build a pathway through you. Don't ask him to give you a ministry. Ask him to build a pathway so God can move through you. And what comes through that path will be self-evident to others. But if you're looking for a ministry, you've got one. It's called Go. Philemon 1.6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And this we finish. So stand to your feet, if you will, and I'll just approve to you and we're finishing. I want you to take me at my word. There'll be test- there are testimonies in you that will never be established unless you do something different. I want us to understand this year that we will... Let's go back a minute. What did I put it on the end? Oh, no, don't go, let's go back. I want you to know that this year we are courageously, boldly, Tenaciously, tenaciously, I should say. Tenaciously, yeah. Tenaciously. Gonna push, gonna press, gonna pursue. Until, until, until we've established the kingdom of God through everything we do. Look at your neighbor at the side, if you will, seriously, before you make this declaration. Say this to him, if you will. I'm going to push. I'm going to press. I'm going to pursue. Until I have established the testimony of God through everything I do. Um, I know most of you don't believe that. Some of you do. Seeds of faith has already started to fill in some people's lives. And for others, as we keep saying it, it'll come in. Because I have great confidence 
have great confidence that you have every spiritual gift that is empowering you to go and do this. So we will push. The first thing you've got to start, when you press, the first thing you've got to ask God, if you're going to press, I want you to start asking God those impossible questions. If you say, well, Lord, Pastor told me I've got to ask you. <laughs> Pastor told me that I've got to ask you to make me feel uncomfortable this year. See, I've done it. I'll leave it with you now, Lord. It's up to you. I've gone. That's not what I've just said. I said press. So what does press mean? I regularly, I can't say it, regular. Say these teeth are not helping. I regularly press in, push in, until God establishes it in me. You be a testament. We'll talk a lot about this. But I really want you to take hold of this word that God said. Do you believe? Can you, agree, can you see in your heart God adding growth to us? Do you believe in a rapid growth? Do you believe in succession? Do you believe you can be part of the answer? God's going to use you to bring these people in. Christmas, we saw two people give the life at Christmas. That was the start. Two. Just two. You think, only two. Just two. But the day before, there was none. So two is better than none. Would you agree? And then say the following week, we get four. And over a period of months, you get 100. All of a sudden, life in this place is different. How do you fit another 100 people in here? Good problems to have. Good problems to have. And you know what? It just might be that our discipleship school come through the growth that's coming in. God knows what he's doing. But we are going to do what God's asked us to do. We're going to press. We're going to push. We're going to pursue. Until God establishes his testimony through everything I do. Amen. So raise your hands if you will. Father, on this day, in this house, 2.18, January 14. Lord, hear the prayers of your people. We surrender, O oh God, to your will. And we ask you, O oh God, to press us, to push us, to pursue us, <coughs> until... The testimony of God is established through the lives of everyone in this house. I pray, oh God, be tenacious with us. Be strong with us. Be fair with us. Oh God, move on our lives. Bring us to this point. Speak. Give many more dreams. Many more visions. Let the testimony of God be established in the lives of your people. Oh, Father. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I said that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. It covers, protects and legitimizes us. Father, we thank you for the blood. And we thank you for the word. 
the word of our testimony. Thank you, O oh God, that this year we will overcome by the word of our testimony. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said? Amen. Amen. Amen.